The hay is vision Maguire is free. Like we have this aerial view of everything that's happening. I know, so but the it's not like, yeah, but it's not, like he, he knows he's free. not passing the ball to Rio Ferdinand. I, right? I, I he knows he's in front of into this. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. 11 minutes past nine. I'm delighted to say Graham Hunter is with us this morning. Graham, good morning to you. How are you? Top as ever, tip top. Um, really, I just want to talk about Aston Villa and the new uh, Barcelona links. But in the meantime, some other stuff has happened, which we, I suppose, we have to talk about. I'm at all, Jack. I'm at all. Um, Leo Messi, Saudi Arabia, Barcelona love triangle. Um, how do you think this one plays out? Um, well, listen, the, 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 the bones of the skeleton are, are pretty clear. Um, I wrote about three, four weeks ago um, about the fact that. This is all Messi-driven. Um, he phoned Xavi or WhatsApp him and said, there's no one to come back. Um, are you up for it? And will the club be up for it? And Xavi Im- immediately said, when I took over in November 2021, the training ground culture was slack. Um, where, if you come back, It'll be my rules, my club. I'm Chavi the coach now, not Chavi your former teammate. If you can't sign up for that and towing the line in terms of it isn't a Leo Messi run training ground, then no. Messi said, fine, no problem at all. I understand. Yes, thumbs up. At which point Chavi passed it up to the board and um, they've been frantically trying to design a financial plan which won't simply satisfy Messi. Um, but which will be able to be given the thumbs up by La Liga. Because at the moment, Barcelona are still in a... It's, it's a recurring mess because they need to meet financial fair play. There are things they want to do, like renewing the contracts of Sergio Roberto, Araujo, um, Gavi, amongst others, Dembele. And in order to do that, they need to be, according to Javier Tebas, about 200 million euros better off either by revenue generated or by sales than they are right now. So if you start with a negative 200 million, it's identical to when a club gets penalised for some sort of misdemeanour and they start the season 15 points down. How do you turn that around? So Chabby's task is to, is to sort of uh, quietly indicate which players that just won in the title because a, a victory at Espanyol a week this weekend will, will make Barcelona champions. He's just got to kind of put the the... the, the the red tick or the red cross against some of his players and say, yeah, you can sell this guy that's just made me champion in order to get even to the starting line, at which point they can they can make La Liga say yes to the return of Messi. They're obviously saying to La Liga, this is a benefit not just to us, this is a benefit to you know La Liga's marketability, television rights, um, its popularity, the fascination of Willie Wong to manage to hit levels when he comes back, all these types of things. Driving it is undoubtedly the idea that Messi wants to see whether he can be still be competitive for the Argentinian national team by the time the Copa America is played, by the time the next World Cup is played. And you mentioned Saudi Arabia, where he went. He's got a massive contract to um, help promote that country. He's an ambassador for their tourism. It's his choice. It's money. If I were him, I would have turned down. But he hasn't turned it down. There was a big row. I don't know how closely he reported it, but Gautier had said that uh, this week, the days that he went to Saudi Arabia were days off because they lost uh, to Lorient um, at the weekend. So he won uh, that 
day off was cancelled. Messi went like, you can't cancel on me now. I'm off anyway. To Riyadh, see you later. Um, it, it's it's a storm in a teacup because although he's been dropped and sanctioned and it's very public and there's been fans demonstrating, it's some several weeks since Paris Saint-Germain understood that their efforts to renew him, which they were knee-deep in doing, were wasted, that he didn't want to stay. And therefore, it's a shame that his reputation is besmirched by a choice he's made to, to, to leave and go to Saudi Arabia with, with what the club is now saying, you know, without our permission. Yeah, OK, big deal. Playing in Saudi Arabia would be a vast second choice, vastly lucrative for him. His idea is that his family wants to come back to the house that they kept by the Mediterranean, about 20 minutes away from, from Camp Now, that he wants to play in Football Club Bossoni. In fairness, even two months after he left in tears because of the... the I, I think he'd been done in by a double dealing by the board, by Laporta. In Paris, two months there, he, he said, I, I want to go back one day. I want to help the club I love. Um, so whether they can pull it off, lads, is something that's in the realm of speculation. But it's happening because he wants to return. And that's, that's a giant step. Turns out footballers have egos, Graham. Um, I'm curious, news that will shock no one. But uh, what would this do to the Barcelona dressing room? Because Messi walks in, walks back in as the prodigal son. And, and all of a sudden, I'm sure some heads are going to be turned. Yeah, interesting point. And, um, look, I, I don't know, is, is the honest truth. I think on the positive side, um, nobody ever questioned, has ever, in my knowledge, questioned Messi's work ethic. He wanted things done to his timetable, to his style. He and Suarez and Neymar, while he was there, were always last out to training. So the whole squad would be out on time and they traipse out I mean all of four, five, six minutes late. Many coaches wouldn't like that. Many coaches who had the three of them kind of let them away with it as Neymar went, Suarez and, and Messi dictated a little bit about um, when there were days off and they they didn't run it like this is our club but they did challenge for example, Kiki Setien came in, he had an assistant who's now in charge of the Gerard Piquet's Andorra side, who was very much trying to shake things up, be aggressive and chippy in training and push them harder. That didn't go down well with Messi and Suarez, simply not because they didn't want to work hard, but because they were like, who are you? Never heard of you, you're Joe Nobody. It's a kind of version of Shosha Medals. Piquet, on the other hand, was so impressed by this kid that he made him coach of Andorra and they're shooting up the professional leagues in Spain. So, when Messi comes back, there's no Neymar, there's no Suarez. Um, we don't yet know whether Busquets will be there. He's going to make an announcement sometime in the next six or seven days, we believe, about staying or leaving. He's out of contract. It would be a massive jump forward in the financial acrobatics they've got to perform if his salary suddenly disappeared. Frankly, honestly... Everybody's speculating on he's leaving, he's staying. I don't know which he's going to do. I do think it's time. I do think it's the Xavi adores having Busquets there. Alba would then become one of the, the two players saying he's been there before, Ter Stegen. Neither of them would be playmates in the way that Suarez and Neymar were. And I, I say again, Messi is idiosyncratic. He went you know, nose-to-nose with Luis Enrique in the season that they won the title over a, a decision not given in a, given in a bounce game. And Luis Enrique told me that, you know, from then on he didn't re- re- bounce games in training. 
why he wouldn't step back from Messi was absolutely furious about a foul not given in training and it, it literally went nose to nose and by the time the next match was over Messi missed a couple of days training with gastroenteritis and it took Xavi's intervention to, to, to bring peace to that situation so if you're saying he's given outright bad influence I, I think the answer is no and given that he wants to train that he wants to I mean for example when I wrote this three weeks ago I checked the stats like he played 69 times for Paris Saint-Germain and between goals and goal assists there had been 63 goal contributions in 69 matches for Paris Saint-Germain plus whatever he got I mean did he have seven goals and five assists in the World Cup in that same time so he was performing at Benzema levels in terms of goal contribution it's just that he was performing in a, in a Hollywood FC side where the coach changed every eight or nine months and you know shooting fish in a barrel in, in France wasn't good training for the jungle of the Champions League if we were handicapping it you'd say favourite it would be that he comes back to Barcelona but that that's a, a deal fraught with uh, financial gymnastics and that uh, maybe an, an unwanted but much closer likelihood than we might realise is an easy deal to go to Saudi Arabia where you know there's there's no difficulty with that he just he just goes the money gets pressed the, the cash machine uh, gets filled up and away he goes You've just done a new I Emery. Um, I genuinely wish I could have put it that articulately. Every comma, every every full stop, every word perfectly judged. That's exactly. Yeah, you brought up Unai Emery. I didn't bring it up. I mean, I might have implanted it earlier in the conversation. But uh, how the hell are Villa getting the financial director or the football director of Barcelona? This is not something that I ever envisioned happening at any point. Really, it's like, uh, what? How is this happening? Yeah, let's let's say it's jigsaw parts that might fit together, but it's not specifically Villa coming in, tapping on the shoulder and saying, listen, um, you're the man, and then jumping ship that easily. Mateo Alemán was sensational at Valencia when Unai Emery was there, and he's a pretty impressive uh, man for his contact books, for how he makes deals happen. He's been pretty central in the way that Barcelona have been able to stabilise themselves and then, on a very low budget, um, put themselves into a position of winning the title in There has been, for several months, uh, because it, it's a sort of tripartite agreement at the top of the club, the president, Juan Laporta, Jordi Cruyff, the football director, and Matteo Aleman, who's kind of like you would call him the general manager, but he is a deal maker. Do, do not look at him in any manner of assessment you might make now or if he joins Villa, which I think he will, um, other than to understand that he lives to make good deals. Now, there have been, um, I have to choose my words really, really carefully here, there have been points of disagreement between Laporta and Cruyff on one side and Matteo Aleman about exactly how these deals are done and therefore, the, the idea that Matteo Alemán might not stay was relatively front and centre. That he would leave now, that he would leave before the summer market, where, remember, Matteo Alemán is probably the expert on how to get the books in order to meet financial fair play regulations from La Liga. Therefore, when you saw the announcement, it was like, ah, yeah, 
He'll leave at the end of the season, but he's committed to helping Barcelona through the summer transfer market, even if it's up to the last minute of the... So if he joins Aston Villa, you've got the prospect of him being rather like Campos, uh, the football director at Paris Saint-Germain, who's also director of football at Celta Vigo. Now that's a hell of a task. It might be that Celta Vigo and Paris Saint-Germain aren't outright competing for the identical players and the identical budgets in the market. Nonetheless, it's a man whose time will become increasingly vital towards the end of the market when you get things over the line and both clubs have got a call on his, his services. Now, that's the way things are beginning to shape up for Matteo Aleman. They can't, say Villa do persuade him, and I think they, they have, they, they, they can't now negate the, the contract, he's, the, the leaving contract he signed with Barcelona, the Finiquito, um, and say, right, you have to dump Barcelona. Barcelona will be saying, like, well, we've got first call on him, and Villa might have a crucial meeting or a crucial phone call. It's, it's a little bit unusual as a structure, but, but let me promise you, in terms of deal-making, and for example, the way in which Unai Emery wants to take Roselso from Villarreal, amongst other deals, obviously, and where to place footballers too, if Villa get Matalaman, they're signing a gen. You're making a big step forward. Very exciting. It's like legitimately very exciting as a Villa fan. I know you're not supposed to be excited by like executives, but at the same time, unless the unless the football club is run properly, the team never performs. It's very very rare where a team suddenly uh, shoots or breaks off the shackles of mediocrity that surrounds us. And th- yeah. there's nothing. I seriously think that it's become such shark infested waters to deal with international transfers. It, it's so convoluted. About there's a player wholly owned by a club. Which agent are you dealing with? Are there intermediaries as well as the agent? Is the agent now being paid the kind of sum you used to be able to buy quite a handy footballer for? Yes. Will there almost always, almost always be competition for any footballer that Villa have set their their eyes on? The answer is yes. And can Villa yet blow other clubs out of the water? If they're in a straight competition, for example, with Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester City, they probably can't. Therefore, what you need is acuity. What you need is somebody who can say to an agent, look, if if there's a modicum of doubt about several thousand extra per week at that club or, uh, you know, there's a modicum of doubt over the other club might spend more money on your player, trust us because... I know what a coach is going to do with your footballer. I know your footballer will be better. He'll play more regularly. We can get the deal done quicker. We'll pay the instalments differently. But the man is, is beyond a wheeler and dealer. It's not that that I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there is a, a level of connection and trust and respect for him around the world game, particularly in Europe, I'd emphasize, that can just step a club a little bit ahead on deals that might be in the balance. Um, Graham, if we skip across the El Clasico divide, Jude Bellingham seems very close to, to join Real Madrid. Bit of a blow to the likes of Man City and, and uh, of course, Liverpool seemingly pulled out of the deal a little bit earlier. But um, this is a big, big move for Bellingham. And I guess, as we mentioned on the show earlier, he will remain away from the uh, the eyes of the English media. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I th- I, th- there is no question, and I, and I think and I hope that we've talked about Roman and Bellingham on your show before, and many months ago, because they've been entirely open about the desire to sign him and add him to, 
20-year-old Camavinga and 23-year-old Charmeni and 24-year-old Barbardi and 22-year-old Vinicius and 22-year-old Rodrigo and 25-year-old Militao in Dumfries. Therefore, like the logic of trying to get this 19, nearly 20-year-old, I mean, I have to say brilliant footballer and brilliant character. He's got an extremely good brain, extremely mature. He's, he's just a leader figure in the making. That logic is good. I am I am a little bit surprised. I, I knew, I've known for months, I've been talking about the fact that Bellingham and Guardiola were Manchester City's two highest priorities. And these days, particularly for an English club, an English leader club, trying to sign an English, a young English footballer, you'd have thought City was the winning bet there. What I'll tell you is that it, I don't think any of it has been made up about how close Madrid are. I don't believe it's made up that the terms with Bellingham's family and, and his, his father, his father is involved and he gets the highest reputation possible. I think the terms are agreed. There are, the terms between Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund are not agreed. One of the football papers here this morning, Marca, has gone heavily on, you know, deal done, deal agreed. Um, Diario As, uh, which was the one that first touted the idea that Bellingham would choose Madrid over City, have gone into reverse. They've gone clearly on a briefing from Real Madrid. Do not say it's done. We fear that Dortmund have pushed this news out so that City are forced into bidding more. Um, Batska, who's the, the equivalent of Matteo Alemana at Dortmund, is shrewd. And, and Madrid genuinely think that this splurge of publicity has been brought out because Bellingham is, is being allowed to, to treat with other clubs, not because he's out of contract, that goes to 2025, but because Dortmund know he wants to leave and they know they're going to get a massive sum. So Dortmund and knowing that things were close in personal terms with Madrid, what Diario As is saying is this is out there with Dortmund's full blessing so that City get a, a, a punch in the ribs and, and come in and, and try and outbid Real Madrid. So I don't believe that City will abandon this deal quickly because they very, very much wanted them. And you can understand why. If you think about Ukai Gundo and probably leaving, probably, um, something out of contract, and a degree of renovation and youth needed in the midfield, not so just a, a hunger of a new man in, a new quality man in, competing for places, to something Guardiola believes in. This would be a, a, a setback for City if, if it does happen when it comes to Romadin. As somebody who works over here, I would be thrilled. One last question for you. Matt Hardy got a few minutes last night for Atletico Madrid as they uh, moved ahead of Real in the table. He hasn't really registered that much just yet in terms of um, game time from that perspective. Is there any prospect of him still being a footballer who plays in Spain next season, do you think? Well, yeah, they moved ahead of Madrid um, and there will be repercussions for that. Florentino Perez, the president of Madrid, will be extremely unhappy. If memory serves, I think Matt had maybe had six or seven minutes before. It's been a, it's been an underwhelming opportunity for him, and that's partly because initially he was competing against outright clear-cut favourites in that position, and then when they went to they they, they played when Renildo got injured, who's been who was sensational. They went to a formation whereby Carrasco was guaranteed being a left back and. Um, they play normally it looks like five when they're defending, but it's a four. Um, whenever they've got the ball and if I'm honest it's about conversion therapy there's nothing but good words coming out of the club about Matt and his presence there 
but he's been competing against players who are absolutely set in their position. There haven't been the, the hasn't been the need to rotate. There haven't been enough injuries in his position to, to give him the open door. I've been surprised. I, I've been surprised about how little opportunity he's had. But it, it's a damnation that they've been they, they are unrecognisable from the pre World Cup. They are after certainly over the last six or seven weeks, Spain's most attractive side. Wow! And it shows Simeone what you and watching as much European football as I do, they're not far off. They're certainly top three, four entertaining sides in Europe. They've utterly changed their mentality. And frankly, had they been playing the way that they've been playing pre World Cup, I think Matt would have had much more game time. He's liked. He's definitely liked. Whether he stays next season or not, they have financial fair play problems to sort out. They lost huge amounts of money because they didn't play in Europe after Christmas. I hope he does. I hope he gets much more chance to show what he's made of. At the moment, the circumstances in, in the most crazy way have really gone against him, Joe. Uh, Graham, before we let you go, a quote for you. I'm 68, but there's nobody ahead of me in football terms. Not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. Your thoughts on the, the return of Big Sam Allardyce? I wish we had time for me to sing the entire theme tune to the Muppet Show. <laughs> um, we have time. It's funny, it's funny how you can get away with tosh like that, having had sides relegated, having been caught with a pint of wine, flipping about sums about your charges, England. What was his, his long and glorious reign in England? Was it was it one match? One match, one win. Uh, mm. I, honestly, the, the, the one word, no, that's not true. The one word that came to my mind that I can use on your show when I watched him looking old and tired and wheezy and saying, There's nobody. Yeah, I thought, Yeah, mop it. Great, great stuff. Thanks a million. Pleasure. <laughs> OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.